Well, hi. I'm glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We're in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. As you know, if you've been with me for a while, we're in the fifth chapter. The last couple of days, we've been examining verses 16 and 17 in the fifth chapter of 1 John. I'm going to read those verses again today, and we'll continue in our unfolding of those verses. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I don't say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there's sin that does not lead to death. We're looking at these verses, which are very confusing verses for many people, and trying to unfold them together. I've helped you to understand that the backdrop to these verses is the issue of God's disciplinary hand in the life of his children. Uh, he is our Heavenly Father. John, 1 John chapter 3 begins with the wonder of all of that. As we've repented and believed and come to know Christ as Savior, God adopts us as his children. Hebrews 12 tells us that as our biblical father now, God takes very seriously that fathery role, and he is involved in discipline child training in each of our lives. So this passage is really talking about children of God, not talking about mankind in general. And God says, listen, if you are my child and if you are not dealing with sin in your life when it arises, if you're not coming to your senses, confessing it before me, as 1 John 1, 9 gives us the challenge, he says, I'm going to be involved in discipline in your life to bring you to your senses so that you don't self-destruct further so that you can get back on the road to growth and health. God disciplines his children. He is a proactive God. It's all part of seeing God properly as the Bible reveals him to us. A lot of people have understandings of God that are rooted in wishful thinking, not biblical revelation. We need to make sure that the God that we determine to worship is that God who has revealed himself in the scriptures. And when we encounter thoughts in our minds that are not in line with his truth, as he's revealed it, that we reject such things and let our minds be transformed so that we see him as he is. Part of the purpose of God's discipline in the life of his children is to help them grow, to bring them to their senses and to help them grow. Discipline in the life of a believer is not somehow putting us in a place where we pay for wrongdoings. That's not what it's about. I want to talk a little bit more about that today. It's not penance before God because we've stumbled. No, that's not the case either. His purpose is growth. God's discipline, as we saw yesterday, is a progressive discipline. One of the things we know from Scripture, Hebrews 3, verse 13, very clear about this, is that as a believer sins, one of the consequences of that sin is we become, number one, insensitive to the Holy Spirit. We harden inside. Secondly, what happens to us is that we become self-deceived about our condition. So you see, undealt with sin has a twofold problem in effect in the life of a believer, a child of God. It makes us growingly insensitive to God's Holy Spirit and to his word. Then secondly, increasingly deceived about the mess that our life is really in. 
And so God wants that overcome. He will work progressively, moving to more severe forms of child training, of discipline, to shake us into our senses so that we will deal with sin properly before it has a chance to more to further corrupt our lives. Now, let's build on that. Verse 16 tells us, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. God says, listen, as a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, both in my family and then gathered as a church family, I want you to be involved in praying for a stumbling brother or sister. A stumbling brother or sister needs our prayerful intervention. We can accept as a given that if there is somebody who is stumbling in sin and not dealing with it properly, they are automatically under the disciplinary hand of God. He's their heavenly father. God's not looking the other way. And so God says, when you see a brother or sister stumbling, not handling life properly, spiritually, begin to pray for them. Pray for the stumbling brother or sister. But be careful what you pray for. <laughs> he makes it uh, very plain here that we're to be praying, but the question is, what do we pray? Well, here's what you don't pray. The last thing you want to pray for a brother or sister in Christ who is under God's disciplinary hand is that God would make it so they're not suffering anymore. That God would decide for a while to stop his discipline for them because they're so miserable. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, God's not going to stop his discipline in their lives, nor could he be a loving father and do so. You don't ask God for that. Well, then what do you ask God for? Good question. <laughs> Basically, what you do and what I do, if I see that there's a brother or sister in Christ stumbling, sinning and not dealing with it properly, I pray that they would act on the discipline of God, that ever-increasingly negative, discouraging, convicting work that God is doing in their lives, because if they will act on it, then the discipline will stop. You follow? I don't ask for it to stop before it's acted upon. I pray that they will come to their senses, stop their stubborn rebellion against God, and get right with God, growing once again rather than rebelling. Now, why does God want me to pray that? Because he wants me to understand his ultimate purpose in the discipline of his children. His ultimate purpose in the discipline of his children, as we see it in verse 16, is to give them life. It's not talking about eternal life here. We have that when we turn to Christ. We have that if we are his children. So what's he mean? Life. He's saying, I want you to have the full and abundant life that John 10.10 10 says. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. I want you to have that life. And as a believer, you will not have that life in this world if you are living in carnality, if you are living in rebellion against God's purpose and plan. God wants you to replace guilt and defeat with real life. Back experiencing what God wants us to experience. There is no growth, spirit-filled life, abundant life, if we are in carnality and with unconfessed sin in our lives. God says, shakes us and says, listen, I love you. I want you back in the right track. I want you happy once again. It won't happen 
till you deal with your sin properly. So in other words, as I've said earlier, his goal is life, not penance, not self-atonement. Discipline in his life is in some way that we pay for our sin, let God see how miserable we are and how much we're sort of beating ourselves about it. No, 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 no. That throws the cross out. No, it's discipline is about bringing us to the point where we see, oh man, I've been self-deceived. I've been hardened. Lord, I want to be right once again. I confess to you my failure. Thank you for forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Enable me now through your spirit as I step forward in a repentant manner so I can grow and solve this problem. Now let's begin to talk about one other thing. He implies in these verses, not only implies, he says, that a believer, and again, we're talking about believers, can persist in a sin that he calls sin that leads to death. Now, what is sin that leads to death? Well, here's what we know it can't mean. We already know, and the consistent message throughout 1 John has been, that the believer can have assurance once redeemed, we are covered with the perfect life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as stumbling saints, as his children, under his discipline, that doesn't change. That's a new covenant promise to us. So he's not talking about the loss of salvation here. That puts you in conflict with not only 1 John, but I believe the biblical message in general. So what does that leave you with? It leaves you with the reality that God will use even physical death as a disciplinary hand. Physical death isn't spiritual death, but he may use physical death at times in the life of a believer. Classic example, Acts chapter 5, physical death in Ananias and Sapphira in response to their sin and deception within the body and the God stamping it out early because of the devastating potentials it could have. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, God is talking about people who were gathering for the Lord's Supper and doing it in an improper manner, not really doing it in a way honoring to God. And he says, that's why many of you are weak and ill and some have even died. Now there's God's disciplinary hand on his children. Stubborn resistance to God's progressive discipline in a person's life can reach a point where God moves from using guilt and depression and physical illness as discipline even into the point of taking that child to be with him. Well, more could be said about it. Join me tomorrow as we continue to look at these verses and have some final thoughts on verses 16 and 17 in this fifth chapter. God bless.